Well, good morning, everyone. I just invite you this morning to just join me in a time of prayer as we prepare for our teaching time. Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful to be able to gather together like we are this morning. And Lord, we are grateful for the ways in which we have sung about who you are and how through song we have been reminded about, uh, we were reminded about Jesus and about his birth story and Lord, about the love that you have for us. And Lord, uh, as we sit with those lyrics, may they sink deep within us and may you, you, may you through your Holy Spirit stir them and bring them into a place where we can act on the reality of Christ at work within us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunities that we have, and Lord, in this Christmas season, as we look at the week that's ahead with all the things that are on our to-do list and the things that we are anticipating, Lord, would you constantly just bring to mind some of these words that we have sung, Lord, that we would hold on tight to your place in the Christmas story and your place in our story. And Lord, for some of us who, in this season, we find it hard, Lord, we ask that you would meet us in, in the middle of our, our, our doubts, in the middle of our fears, and our, and our seasons of grief, and in those moments of hard, uh, where the relationships seem hard, and we, we just want to run away. Lord, we ask that you would give us your comfort and your peace. Lord, we just acknowledge that Christmas isn't easy for everyone. And so, Lord, we, we, we just ask that you would just come alongside those of us who are, who are struggling and for, for whom this week is going to be hard. Lord, may we know your closeness. God, as we turn to our teaching time this morning, we just ask that you would help us to, to hear what you want us to hear this morning. Uh, Lord, that uh, we would be paying attention, and God, that, that you would speak, and uh, that we would listen. In your name we pray. Amen. So a week or so ago, I was walking some of our walking kids home from school. There's a couple group of dads that we do walking kids home from school together. There's about six kids, three dads, and uh, that's our normal routine. A few days a week, yeah, you back there, you're a part of that routine. <laughs> Bruce. Uh, anyways, we're walking home, and there's one street that is problematic, and it's on our walk home. We only cross one street the whole way home, and it's problematic. And that's because there's a bend in the road, and it means that drivers and pedestrians have difficulty seeing one another um, at this bend. And so most of the time it's fine, but every once in a while we get scared. And this particular day we're crossing, and most of the kids are across the road except for me and one straggler. And this car comes around the corner, and they're not slowing down. And so I yell, hey, and I throw my arms up in the air trying to get this driver's attention and everything's fine, he keeps going, and the kid gets across the street, and, the, and as dads, we start grumbling, like, what was wrong with that guy? Like, how come he didn't slow down? Didn't he see us? This, this corner's a, a hazard, right? And then we realize that the driver slowed down, has turned around, and is coming back towards us with his window down, and he's yelling. Now, I didn't get an actual photo of him, but I'm sure it would look sort of like this. <laughs> and he's yelling, he's like, why, and I guess when I threw my hands up in the air, it looked like I showed that finger that's kind of rude. And he said, why did you do that? And I yelled back, I didn't do that. And in which case, one of my friends yelled, slow down. And he yelled back, I knew exactly what I was doing. I wasn't going that fast. And that's the interaction, okay? You get how it goes. And it really was relatively short-lived. And it was, then he drove off. It was short. It was, the whole incident was probably, I don't know, 30 seconds long, okay? But it has left a sense of lingering animosity in me. And 
you know, and I've spent time over the last week trying to determine who that driver was, because I'm pretty sure I know who he is. Like, he think he drops his kids off at school at the same time I do. And I've spent time and energy trying to think about what I would say and what would I do if I figured out who that guy is. So in my heart, obviously, that conflict, if you can even call it a conflict, isn't over. This week, our Advent theme is, is peace. <laughs> yeah. God works in wonderful ways, doesn't he? And the thing about peace is that there's a difference between an absence of conflict and real peace. Sure, an absence of conflict is a good thing, and really for some of us in this Christmas season, we would settle for an absence of conflict. We would settle for a Christmas dinner where we don't end up having an argument with somebody. Um, But really, if we think about it, that's more like a ceasefire than actual peace. And I think if we could step back for a moment, we would realize that we want something more than just a ceasefire. That while it's nice that we aren't in, in, in conflict, that what we're longing for is to have those things that make conflict possible. We're longing for th- those things to be addressed and that, that a- the animosity that we experience, we want that replaced by something that is better. And you know what? In the new year, we're going to take some time and we're going to look at what that kind of peace looks like in the cultural climate that we live in because it's kind of weird out there right now. And I think this theme of peace really does, uh, is something that we can focus on. But the big idea this morning is that at Advent, we are celebrating how Jesus has come to bring us God's peace. Now, last week, we read the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. And in Luke chapter 2, Luke introduces us to a guy named Caesar Augustus. And the reason why Luke introduces us to Augustus is that Augustus is a pretty uh, important figure in history who impacted the story of Jesus' birth. Now, a part of Augustus's legacy is that he was the person who became the sole ruler of Rome and took Rome from being this republic to being the empire that we, we look back of and we think of Rome as being. And he did this by overpowering and eliminating his rivals. And this consolidation of power resulted in something that's called the Pax Romana, or the Roman peace, which over a 200-year period, Rome enjoyed this unprecedented uh, period of economic and and cultural growth, and it grew to include approximately one quarter of the world's population. Now, there's a lot that could be said about this peace, but the thing is that this peace is a relative peace. Sure, there was significantly less internal fighting in Rome than what there had been. And so some people might call it peace, but this was a situation where it was peace for some people, but not necessarily peace for everyone. And the people living in the time and the region of Jesus would not likely have said that it was peaceful. Instead, they lived in one of those areas that continued to experience conflict. They'd been invaded, and you know what? While they could practice their culture and and their faith and their religion, they were under Roman taxation and and military control. And, you know, their lives, to be honest, were not fully their own. And if we put ourselves in in their shoes and we thought about that, that, would we say that that was peaceful? We probably would not say it was peaceful. In fact, they lived with this threat over them. If they stepped out of line, that the Roman military machine would come in and squash them. And so that threat is not peace. Again, as we reflect on what peace is, we realize that an absence of conflict is just a part of what peace is all about, but it's not the whole picture. Peace is something that goes deeper than that. 
And this sense of, of depth comes through in the passage that we're going to look at this morning from, the, from Isaiah. And it points us to Jesus. And in, this, in the book of Isaiah, what ha, what's in mind here is a time, another time when God's people were again under threat by another empire. And so let's look at Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to read the, uh, from verse 2. Uh, and we're going to stop after verse 5 at first here. But Isaiah chapter 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of, of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and have increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as is, as is in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that, burders, that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. We'll just stop right there. So in the background of this passage is the Assyrian Empire who was in a period of aggressive expansion and they were threatening smaller nations like Judah and Israel. And so God's people who are being spoken to in this passage today are, are living under threat with the very real possibility of violence becoming their experience. It's just hanging over them. But what stands out in these verses is a hope for peace. And so the first point that I want to touch on this morning is that the peace that we long for is the peace of better days, is the promise of better days. Have you ever had the experience of waking up in the middle of the night and you feel disoriented and confused? You ever had that experience? That was me a couple weeks ago. I woke up, it was dark, it was 2 a.m., and in the darkness and in my sleepiness, I was sure there was somebody standing off in the corner. And, and, like, and all of that happens in a split second, right? All of that stuff goes through your mind just like this. And so in a bit of a panic, I look around and I'm looking for something, right? Something that helps me figure out what's going on. And there's a glimpse of light that kind of is breaking its way into our room. And that light is actually coming from our washroom, which is down the hall. And this little bit of light has worked its way down the hall and into the room. And just that little bit of, of light helped me wake up enough to make sense of my circumstances and understand what was going on, that it was just a dream. I was just feeling disoriented. I didn't know what was going on. That little bit of light made a huge difference. You know, as we go through life, there are moments when we're going to feel disoriented, when we're going to feel confused, when we're going to feel lost. Maybe we feel like we're trapped or maybe we're, we're threatened. We're going to have those moments. And what we need and what we're looking for in those moments is something like that nightlight that will help us make sense of our circumstances and provide us with, with hope that something better is coming. And I think that's what's happening in these verses that we've just read. You know, God's people are described as being in the dark. They are lost. They are surrounded by things that seem unknown and seem scary to them. But what is that? Off in the distance, there's a little flicker of light. And that light is growing. And what that light is is a hope that they will be rescued from the dangers of what lurks in the dark. And this flicker of light comes from the description of what God will do and the peace that he will bring to his people. And in verse 3, we see that this peace is described in terms of prosperity. That these people whose borders are, are being threatened and, and who, who, whose wealth is being stolen from them and whose ability to, to provide food for their families is being threatened, that they are instead going to, be, they're going to prosper. And joy is going to be the result. 
And in verse 4, we see that this peace is described as freedom from oppression. And the image that's being used here is of another time when God's people were struggling. And this time there was a nation called the Midian, Midian or the Midianites who were oppressing God's people for seven years. And God sends a man named Gideon to, to break the yoke of oppression, to set his people free. And so God here is saying that freedom is coming. And in verse 5, it describes the things of war and violence being totally and permanently destroyed. See, what is being described in these circumstances is a complete and total change of circumstances. What's being described in these verses is a complete and total change of circumstances. That the peace that God promises will be defined by things like prosperity and joy and freedom and the end of cycles of violence. That what God is doing is he is bringing about better days. Now again, we're going to touch on this in the new year, but God's peace in scripture is known as shalom. And shalom is a concept that, that, uh, of bringing peace to, to all of our lives. Peace in terms of our relationship to God, peace as we understand ourselves, peace in our relationships with others. Shalom is experiencing the life and love of God in us and in turn being a part of how God is bringing his life and love into the lives of others, into the very fabric of society. But the reality is that we often settle for less. And what these verses ought to remind us of is that God's hope for his people, and that includes us, is that we will enjoy his life-changing peace, a peace that lays the groundwork for good and better things to grow in our lives. Over the past few years, we've undertaken quite a few home projects at our, at our house. Uh, I think we got a picture here. This is a picture of when we gutted our kitchen, okay? This is the moment of no return. Um, and we've done a number of these projects, and people often come to the house and be like, Josh, you must be really handy. And the answer is, no, I'm not, actually. Uh, I know people who are really handy, and I'm a really good helper. You want something heavy lifted? I'm your guy. You want to tell somebody to move something from here to here or, or break something? I can destroy things. I'm good at destroying things. Putting them back together, not so good. And there's been various points in all these projects that we've done where we've talked about this project, and I find myself thinking, hey, that's a great idea, but I know myself. I know my abilities. How on earth is this going to happen? How do we take this from the idea stage to, to, to the, the theory to a real possibility? Because it just sort of seems so out of the realm of what I'm actually able to do. You know, I wonder if those who heard God's uh, message of, of peace thought to themselves, hey, that's a great idea. That peace sounds really awesome. But, like, do you know what real life is like? Like, do you, do you know the people that are in charge here? That sounds like a great idea, but that is really out of the realm of possibility if you know what's going on here. But the idea in this passage from Isaiah is that we realize, as we keep reading, we realize is that this peace isn't up to us, nor does it rely on those around us. That it's not like, here's a good idea, go and do it on your own. Rather, we learn that this peace that we long for is initiated by God. And so let's keep reading here. A couple more verses. Verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on, on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord, Lord Almighty, will accomplish this. 
You know, here in these verses, God is talking about who is responsible for bringing about this vision of God's peace into reality. Who's going to do it? See, and, and it's going to be someone that God himself is going to send. And he goes on to talk about a child, not a warrior, not a savvy leader. He talks about a child who will bear the responsibility of bringing about this change. Now, if your mind here jumps to Jesus, that's good. Because for centuries, Christians have read these passages and they've recognized, recognized Jesus in the pages of Isaiah. But for the readers and hearers of these words the first time around, it wouldn't have been as clear. But what was clear was that somebody was coming who would be different from those that they had already, that they knew. That there's somebody who's coming who would make this vision of God's peace a reality. Now, on the one hand, this is a relatively simple picture of what any king or ruler should be about. You know, they should be the, the one who's in charge of making sure that justice and righteousness or justice and fairness happens. That any good person in charge, that should be their responsibility. But at the same time, what is promised here is, goes beyond what any human ruler has ever been able to do or hope to do. And we get the sense in the names given to this child that the person who would initiate this peace is going to be someone special, somebody who comes from God. Now, in the ancient world, in addition to being given a name, and names were deeply meaningful, they carried meanings that I think most of the time as a Canadian I don't appreciate, but in addition to being given a name, sometimes titles were given to a ruler or a king to understand who somebody was and what they were about. And this child that is referred to in this passage today, he's got a big job, but these titles, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, they tell us that this child is up for the task and it communicates an intimate connection with God. See, through this child, God is intervening to bring about his hopes and his dreams for people like us. And as we explore this Advent theme of, of peace this morning, we notice that one of the titles for this child is that he will be called the Prince of Peace, as well as these other, these other things. Now, the term prince suggests an army commander of sorts, and it, but unlike the army commanders of, of the Syrian and even the Roman Empire, the, their, their activities the, the, of those princes result in more war, more violence, more oppression, more bloodshed. The activities of this prince are destined to bring about God's peace. He's the Prince of Peace. A peace that will bring about growth and blessing, joy and fairness. And Isaiah says that, that of the greatness of his peace, there will be no end. Now we began this morning by talking about an altercation that I reached, recently experienced with this guy, right? And the reality is that in the grand scheme of things, it's relatively minor. But the, but the thing is that having men yelling at each other over a misunderstanding while children watch is not peaceful. Nor is the time I've spent trying to figure out like, who the guy is and what I would say to him if I had the chance. In fact, I would suggest that my thoughts have been preparing me for violence, not peace. In Matthew, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. In other words, the root cause of so many things that we understand to be wrong and to be harmful comes from within us. 
And if we're paying attention to what Jesus says about lust and greed and anger, we realize that our attitudes and our thoughts matter, even if they're just they're inside of us, because you know, Jesus says they find their way out. And Jesus, see, Jesus is concerned with addressing the underlying issues that we have so we can be who God has created us to be. And part of who God wants us to be is to be people who enjoy and live in his peace. Peace that results in growth and blessing and joy and well-being. Not just for us, but for those that we're in, we're in relationship with and maybe those who cut us off in traffic. Who knows? And this is why people look at this passage in Isaiah and understand that Jesus is the child who is known as the Prince of Peace. That this promise of peace is too much for an ordinary person to bring about, but it's something that God has initiated through Jesus. And the peace that Jesus brings is about more than ending conflicts, but it's about addressing the root cause that makes conflict and violence possible in our lives, in the lives of our neighbors, in, the li- in our world. That Jesus is about getting to the root cause of, what, of how violence and conflict are even possible. And so this Advent theme of peace invites us to see Jesus as the one who addresses the root causes of conflict in our lives. Now, to be honest, this, this theme of peace is uh, big. And like I said, we're going to come back to this in the new year because we could explore it in a whole bunch of different ways, and we're going to do that in the new year because this theme of peace is big, it's complicated, especially when we look at what's happening in our lives and around the world. But this morning, I want to just end by, by reflecting on how we can experience God's peace personally today because while peace is, is, is something that we, our, our world needs, it needs to start with us. And again, we could go in a bunch of different directions with this, but I'm going to just draw out one point this morning. And that the focus, and that's, that's this, that the focus of our minds has a big impact on our ability to experience God's peace. Because the reality is that we often entertain thoughts that are not peaceful thoughts. That's what I've been doing this week with this driver. And we often, I was told once, we, we, the things that we rehearse in our minds are, the, are become like our default responses when we find ourselves in whatever the situations that we find ourselves in. And often the thoughts that we entertain are not peaceful. Instead, our thought lives can be characterized by replaying our regrets or obsessing over something that we want or nurturing unhealthy appetites or creating unrealistic expectations for ourselves or for others. Or maybe we do have dreams to go get even with that one person who has wronged us. And when things like these become the focus of our thoughts, we're going to struggle to live in God's peace. We're going to struggle to enjoy God's peace. In fact, the Apostle Paul calls the opposite of God's peace death in Romans chapter 8. He writes, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And later, Paul goes on to talk about how we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. See, our thought life and our minds are important. And if we desire to experience the life-giving peace of Jesus, we need to be willing to allow the patterns of our thinking to be redirected and to be remade, to be transformed, to be made new. And this can happen in a whole variety of ways, but one of these ways is by making space to spend time with God. See, having rhythms of spiritual practices can be life-giving and it can ground us in our relationship with God. And these times are opportunities when, when God renews the ways that we think. He changes the way that we think and through which we can experience his peace growing in us. 
And so in these final days before Christmas, I, I'm going to invite... I'm going to invite you to join me in a, in a devotional. I know some of us already have our own spiritual practices going on. Some of us are, are really enjoying the BIC devotional. If that's you, stick to it. But some of us lost momentum on that because if you're like me, something that lasts longer than a couple weeks, I, get, I, I, I have a bad attention span. Maybe that's what it is, right? And so every once in a while, needing a nudge to start something all over again is a good thing. And so I'm going to invite you to join me in an online devotional that starts on Monday. That's five days, takes us to the end of the week, and it's about peace and the holidays. Now, we've done this before, but it's been a long time, so let me kind of explain how this works. Is that in, our, in your sermon notes this, this morning, or if you went back and you got our, our email, you will find a link to uh, a, a devotional using the YouVersion Bible app. That's, that app is absolutely free, and many of us already have that app on our phones or on our tablets, um, and so you might already have that. But if you click that link, you can sign up to be a part of this Advent devotional. And each day, how it works is you read the little devotional thought, and the people pieces of scripture whenever it suits you. There's not a certain time of day you have to do it. You don't have to do it at 6 a.m. You can do it at 6 p.m. You can do it at your lunch break. You can do it whenever it works for you. And then if you want, you can, you know, type a comment or a thought, hey, this stood out to me, or like this was just really great. And some, some, some of us might post a question. Um, and you're free to interact there if you, if you like. There's a little bit of a chat function, but you don't have to. Okay, you, can be, you, you are free just to read it and just to get on with your day and not worry about interaction. Or, if you want to be interactive, there's an opportunity to be interactive there as well, too. And so, we, we want to try to do this starting tomorrow, and so hopefully some of us will, will, will do this together over the next, uh, next couple of days. Now, having said that, let me, let me caution us. You know, as people, we, we like quick fixes, don't we? Um, and let me just say out loud, doing one five-day devotional is not going to solve all of our problems. As much as we might want it to be, that's not going to happen. Um, but it can be a step towards living a more peaceful life. It can be a step towards making space and learning how to make space to be with God so that God can renew our minds. And something that, that we can practice and we can practice together. Please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, we, this morning we, we've been focusing on this theme of peace. And God, this, this theme of peace could go in so many different directions, and yet, Lord, we just can uh, all acknowledge that peace is something that is so needed in our lives and in the world around us. God, there just seems to be so much space and opportunity for conflict, Lord, where arguments come, seem to come easily, where uh, positions become like uh, people dig into their positions, where, uh, God, where common ground can be hard, where we can find ourselves animosity growing in our hearts, God. And Lord, even on a bigger stage, we look around and we can see actual armed wars that are happening in our world. And Lord, they seem like way too much for us to even know what to do with. Lord, this range of conflict, this range of animosity just sort of seems to surround us. And so God, this morning we come to you and say, Jesus, we need to know your peace. Lord, our world needs to know your peace. And so God, this morning we are asking that you would would plant your peace in us and you would grow your peace in our lives, Lord. May it begin with us. 
Lord, this morning we, we want to just acknowledge that there are so many things that occupy our, our minds. Things that are good, things that are not good, things that are to do list, uh, you know, people that we want to talk to, people that need our attention, Lord, things that we are just, we need to research, things that we, we, we need to just think through, God. There's, there's grudges that we're holding on to. There's that comment that somebody made to us that one time that we just can't seem to let go of. God, there's just so much stuff that swirls through our minds on a regular basis that actually take us away from you. And so, God, this morning we ask that you would help us in our mental lives. God, we, we, we recognize that our thought life matters. And so, Lord, we ask that you would guide us and that you would lead us to take good steps to make space so that we can allow you to remake the way that we think about life, the way that we think about people. Lord, that your peace would take over our thinking. God, as we anticipate Christmas at the end of this week, we anticipate you. We anticipate you coming and, and the part of the story about you bringing about your love and your joy and your hope and your peace to people like us. Lord, help us to be open to what you want to do in our lives, we pray. Amen. As we close this morning, um, I want to leave us with a benediction. I am wondering if you, if you would be willing, if you are able, would you stand for our benediction this morning? The Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians writes, Now may the Lord of peace himself, that's Jesus, may he give you peace at all times in every way. May the Lord be with you all. Looking forward to celebrating with you on Christmas Eve. Have a great week.